clean cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth Studios. This week, we discuss Trimmingham's goal and the meaning of life, podcast sadomasochism, and saltiness. As always, I'm joined by the hardest working man in for uh, in Madison Sports po- Podcasting, the Dickie Greenleaf to my Tom Ripley, Kyle Carr. I think that means I'm going to murder you later, Kyle. Uh, and I'm Keith Ponywas. Uh, this week we'll also take a look at uh, you know some matches. Uh, Kyle, here's my hyp- purely hypothetical question for you: Would you be willing to take on? owners who may not have the best geopolitical record if they could perhaps guarantee you a Henny Darby win next year? No, I, I no, <laughs> I can't. No, <laughs> you're not ready to go with bone saw 11 as Barry Glenn Denning referred to it as nope. Uh, you know, it sounds tempting at first and then it's, you know, it's like that Wario will be, I've won, but at what cost? Like, I, I still need to have a soul. I, I still need to have it. And selling that as much as I want the Henny Derby, I can't sell my soul for it. And I can't let innocent people suffer because of my selfishness. There are other people. There are some other things that I will gladly be selfish about going with, you know, owners that have uh, some uh, human rights issues. Not one of them. Uh, we did. This did come up on, uh, on our chat. And I suggested at this point, I'd I'd be willing to consider your offer if you had three BP stations at least at this point. If you had BP station money, um, and uh, uh, Optali wisely suggested that perhaps, much like the Red Bulls have put together a global conglomerate, maybe the Come and Go franchise could uh, put together a Midwestern conglomerate of lower division soccer teams. And I think Come and Go Madison has a real nice ring to it. Um, so that's a, that's a distinct possibility. It, it could work. It could work. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to go with that or maybe brag about how all of your teams that you started were playing and one of them is a complete, like two of them aren't that good. Maybe I want to go too far online with that one. I don't know. Like I want to go too far online with the clip. Like, three of them are absolutely terrible. And then you got one that's mediocre, one that's okay. And the other that's like, well, they might make playoffs at least. I mean, the Red Stars are doing great, but otherwise, that's that's just you, me. You know, you you can't hold them responsible for what has transpired after they've left. You know, this is, uh, you know, not not terrible. I, I don't know if you're gonna talk about all the things that you did while you were there. You also are gonna carry the what happened after you left. You can't you can't have both. <laughs> you either are that's either in your past or you're stuck with that stink. I, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, agree to disagree there as they say, um, <laughs> because we made the playoffs when said individual was here. Um, and that, that goes to really, if we're going to get like into one of the, the major problems I think we're seeing here. And I've been thinking about this a lot, um, you know, uh, is we don't have a non coach football voice in the room. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'm a li- that from a structural standpoint has me a little worried. The director of football, you know, operations doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that, um, you know, makes all of the decisions. 
but I think it's good to have a non-football or a, a non-coach, but informed about football, about soccer voice in the room. And I think it's something right now that we don't really have at Forward Madison. Um, and, you know, um, has me a little concerned about the, the fate of the future of the, of the club. Let's put it that way. Um, because I think, um, yeah, well, well, I, I just, I don't know if questions were proper, properly asked in going into this year and, and, you know, certain things were, were properly assembled. Um, so Kyle, we have three points, but I feel like I just want to turn it over to you and let you just get some things off your chest. Um, for those that, that don't know, uh, Kyle is the much quieter co-founder of the Henny Darby. Uh, I think part of his, his silence is attributed to, uh, the circumstances, you know, generally when, uh, you've lost it two years in a row, uh, it's a good idea to shut your damn mouth. Um, and so Kyle, you are on this podcast, so I'm going to let some things, uh, I'm going to turn things over to you so that if you want to get some stuff out, you know, now is the time it's a, it's a, you know, you can lie down on the couch. Um, maybe there's a crib that you can, you know, kick out part of it and, and lie down like you're at the therapist's office. But, you know, what, what do you want to say, Kyle? Is this in regards to the three points that we have or is this off topic then? Or I, I need to know how I'm going to frame this. Uh, just just let yourself go. And because I'm so skilled as a podcast host, if, it, if okay. we can tie it into the three points, I will. Okay. Um I mean, I, I, I had said on a walk in 90 um, last Thursday, when you go into a must-win game and you register zero shots on target in the Henny Derby, it, it, it does prompt me wondering what the fuck is going on. And then they played Revs 2 and they showed some fight. They showed some urgency. They allowed an early goal. And that's been a theme in a lot of these losses, including the last Henny Derby and the Revs, both Rev 2's game. You allow an early goal in North Carolina, you allow an early goal, and then you cannot seem to put anything together in terms of attack. And, you know, that's frustrating, and you lose to Revs 2, and you go into a rivalry game um, late in the season. You, you need, at the very least, a draw to stay alive. A loss all but eliminates you. And you go with the same plan that hasn't worked in the last three matches. And it's kind of a what the fuck kind of thing. And then you go and you get an early goal. Surprisingly, the one of the gambles paid off. You, you go with Josiah Trimingham, who did a great job at taking the ball and going right at the defense and just shooting it. Something that they just haven't done, and you know, and it worked. It got a goal, and you're think, and I'm thinking maybe this, maybe he figured it out. Like, okay, cool. And then you allow a goal from another set piece, and I mean, hell of a jump by the Richmond player to get to it. Like, sometimes he just jumps higher than you, and you just got to deal with it. But that was frustrating. Okay, whatever. One one is what it is. Still. Still not too bad. Then you get the second goal right before halftime. And you get the save on the first shot. And the rebound just works out in terms of just floating in. And you can't 
clear it and all of a sudden you're down two one at halftime and i'm just thinking cool this is fucking <laughs> great how, how that happens i don't know anyway you get to halftime and then they start half the second half you get a goal and you equalize and all right great you somehow made it it's an own goal but i don't care it's a goal and it's two two and you're thinking all right and you have some chances and then you get to the final stretch and it's like a draw would be good enough for your playoff odds for your season a draw is good enough and me personally i would rather have gotten the win because then i get the trophy but a draw at the least for your season is fine it's not great but you can walk away with after the last three matches get a draw Get the hell out. Get to Omaha. Okay. And then you allow the same exact fucking goal as the previous matchup against Richmond. It's a cross that just goes all the way across and no one deals with it. And Terzaghi is right there. The same fucking goal. And then you lose. And... Then our good friend Rob over at Madison 365 and Talking Flock uh, puts a tweet saying "Fun, most fun loss of the year or something like that, in which I see John Lowry say, yep, something like that. And I'm just thinking, what the fuck? No, no, this is not a fun loss. It is the end. You're at the near end of the season and you lose to essentially get you out of the playoffs. You lose to a rival and you lose in a way that looks in a similar circumstance as the last time these two teams played. There's no fucking fun loss about it. This would, if this was in May against Tormenta, fine, fun loss. I don't fully agree with it, but I can at least understand that that is a stance that we go with. It's a fun loss if it was Tormenta in the month of May, early in the season. We, fine, but this is not a fun loss. There's no, there's nothing fucking fun about losing this late into the season. There's nothing fucking fun losing against a rival. There's nothing fucking like, you don't go to a Timbers fan. And if Seattle was going to score in that same way, and Seattle won in that circumstance, no Timbers fan is going to say, Oh, that was a fun loss. No, they're going to be fucking livid. So like, I don't understand why the hell we would say that. Like, no, there's nothing to take away from it. That's fun. If you want to say the players gave it their all and it's unfortunate they couldn't get the win and it's unfortunate that they lost that way. That's fine. If you want to say at the very least the players gave a shit and it's just, they just came up short. And sometimes that is what it is. Fine. If you want to say, you know, Eric Leonard had done a superb job. Justin Suko did a superb job. Josiah Trimingham was causing chaos in the box. Fine. If you want to give the players or say the team at the very least gave fight, fine but do not say this is a fun loss like no this is not a fun loss this was a team that we were being told and we were hoping would be contending would i at the very least make the playoffs probably even a home playoff game was ideally the goal and obviously you want to win a championship those are the standards that we had those are the standards that we set we don't get the we're why why are we adjusting these standards when it's a team that should have the talent to get this far? And then here we are sitting in 10th place, possibly going to finish 11th, depending on how the remaining games go. And now you're going to tell me that we have to go. They have to go to Omaha, a red hot Omaha, who a team that can clinch the title, the regular season title and eliminate forward Madison in the process. And we want to talk about fun loss. No, I everyone should be pissed off. 
This is a team that we expected more from. If this was a rebuilding team or a team that we were throwing, you know, 16, 17 young players that we were just hoping to develop, then fine. Maybe this, you can call this a fun loss because the expectations were low, but we expected more. We expected better. We were complaining last year in regards to the team playing turgid, in regards to the team not playing to the level that we expect. And that team last year, probably is do, would do better than this team this year. This and they have done better point-wise. They would have done better placing-wise. And we were not okay with it. We were not satisfied. All we've said is that the on-field product does not match the off-field product. It is still true. And to come around and look at this and say, this is a fun loss. There is no fucking fun in this loss. I don't know where you can see the fun in this. I don't see the fun in losing four straight games. I don't see the fun in all your other independent teams surpassing you and not just surpassing you, lapping you in the field. There's nothing fucking fun about it. There's the only fun part of it is that at some point, maybe we'll just have to accept that this is where they are, but that's not what we should be aiming for. And if that's what you want to aim for would compete, they have not done that. There's nothing fucking fun in losing a Henny Derby in the way that they did. I don't understand the logic behind it. I don't agree with that logic. And in that, I think that, to me, is what pisses me off more than the match itself. It's the general acceptance that this is who we are. And I, I, I'm sorry, I do not have that expectation. If, like I said, if the expectation was from day one, this is a rebuild, and this is going to be just a development, then that would have been fine. But this is a team that we were told would aim higher, and they have fallen short of those expectations. This is a team that we were hoping to be having a home playoff game. And yet here we are pretty much going to look at this is going to be the final three games of the season. There's nothing fucking fun about it. There's no fun losing to Henny Derby. There's no fun losing to Richmond. There's no fun losing in general. And I don't think, and I, I think that's what is bothering me more than anything. I don't see the fucking fun out of all this. And if that's what people want to latch onto, then that's fine. But I'm not going to be one of those at all. This is infuriating laws. And the laissez-faire approach to saying it's fun, I don't think I don't think that's the mentality that should be there. And if anyone has a problem with it, you are free to reach out and contact me because I will say the exact same thing. Uh, so uh, here's... <laughs> And Kyle, I think, just covered our third point, which was no fun losses. Um, and uh, let's just, you know, track back. Uh, last time Ford Madison won was September 11th, which is now six matches ago. Out of our last, uh, you know, the last time, uh, you know, you can say, okay, it was a little bit brighter match. Um, I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, yeah, we want to... But like, what also bugs me? Like we were getting pissed off about draws mid-season. We were getting pissed off of all the draws that were happening, and then now all of a sudden we're okay with losses. Like I know we joked that I would rather lose so we can feel something, but that's not the same as accepting that it's a fun loss. I think you know the the point you're making to Kyle here is since we beat the New England Revolutions and Revolution two on June 30th, we've played 14 matches. We've had seven ties. We've had five losses, and we've had two wins. We have picked up 14 points out of a possible 42. We are at best probably tied 
with, for dead last during that stretch with North Carolina FC. And it's beaten Ford Madison in that stretch. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I just, I, 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 I am a little frustrated because we seem to have a more negative viewpoint on all of this than a lot of other people who, well, if you know, the stars align and we get hit by a meteor, we're going to make, make the playoffs. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we're being overly negative. Um, I, I think we're just trying to be realistic here. And, you know, what you look at is, is just, you know, and, and you can say it's heart and, you know, you can say, well, the guys need to, you know, put more heart in. And from my mind, like I look at it and it's like, you know, there, there are so many more things wrong that if we are putting out what I would think was a good 11 week in week out, a solid professional 11, and we were struggling, that's one thing, but I don't think we're even playing our best 11 a lot of the time. I mean, we saw in the first half against the Revs where we gave up kind of a fluky goal, let's be honest. Um, you know, he almost put it in off of his ass. But again, our defense was just totally sleeping there. Um, and, you know, we have, as, as you know, uh, Yogi pointed out, no left side of our defense. Um, but in the midfield, we had Suko and Jepsen, Allen and... Uh, 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 Gabhart and we had guys and Malloy in the, in the base. Right. But we had the like midfield five we've been yelling about and Oh, lo and behold, they like looked good for that 45 minutes. And, you know, Jepson faded, uh, probably got a lot of little tired cause he hadn't been getting much match time. Um, and you know, they had to sub him out. And then the last 30 minutes we looked into, looked back into a discombobulated mess. And, you know, one of the things we try to do on this podcast is explain why things are happening. And, you know, we've just kind of hit a point where we're saying, well, the why is the same. You know, the why is constantly the same. You know, our, our, we're, we're conceding on set pieces. We said, you know, okay, you want to make a stretch run, you know, hoping for, you know, just creating an attack isn't going to do it. You have to focus on set pieces offensively and defensively. And then we can see goals on set pieces, you know? So I think the, the, the fun losses idea is if we weren't making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, you know, we, we, why, you know, earlier in the year, it's like, why are we conceding the same damn goal as you brought up, you know? And, and there was a, very simple tactical reason. Like we had, you know, our positioning left huge gaps in the midfield and that left our defense exposed. And so we tried to, you know, shift a little bit with the foundation, the the formation and, and so on, but it was still like, we've got these big gaps, you know, and we've shifted now to in the first half. And because I'm a tremendous podcast professional, Kyle, that was point two. You know, we shifted it. We started the first half with essentially what looked like a four-four-two. Um, it got a little crowded in the midfield. It may it, because uh, uh, Suko was out on the right and he kept coming in because he's a central midfielder um, and and maybe didn't get the the full positional instruction. Or you know, the idea is okay, you come in, Justin, but this guy overlaps. Well, 
you have an outside midfielder coming in or, you know, a, a outside midfielder who's a central midfielder coming in, it's going to come in way more. Right. Um, and, and so you had, you know, you had in the midfield, then you had uh, Enriquez who uh, I don't rate. Uh, I'm going to be quite frank about it. Uh, just, you know, the guy has played a, a grand total of eight matches as a professional, including in, you know, NISA with San Diego, 1904. And now he's an everyday starter in a league that theoretically is, is a step above NISA and everything that we've seen in terms of, you know, experiences of players moving between the two leagues and so on and so forth. And, you know, we keep playing him and keep playing him and keep playing him and he's not any good. And then we put him in a two man midfield with Aaron Malloy and here's the problem. Aaron Malloy is a deep lying playmaker. We've all kind of, realize that he's probably our best player. A 4-4-2 came into being. The, the, the reason a 4-4-2 came into being long ago was essentially in England, they didn't use midfielders. They just had guys who ran up and down the pitch. So controlling the midfield mattered less. In and around the 2000s. There's more wing emphasis. And there's yep. wing emphasis. Yep, exactly. In the 2000s, this guy you know, Arsene Wenger came and this guy, Jose Mourinho came along and they started asking to play through the midfield. Right. And that meant if you're two in the midfield, you're going to be outnumbered by a team playing a four, three, three or four, five, one, because they're going to have three in the midfield. Or even if you're playing a three, five, two or a three, four, three, you're going to be outnumbered in the midfield because generally in a three, four, three, your, your outside is, is, you know, you're adjusting and you're dropping that center forward back and you've got three in the midfield or you're a little more compact or you're stepping a, a defender into the center midfield and so on and so forth. So there, you're always going to be outnumbered with a four, four, two. What it requires is just a lot of running around. And so for a guy like Aaron Malloy, and I think if you look at the match, we had one shot and goal in the first half. We ended up even on shots on goal by the end of the match. But we had one shot on goal in the first half. We were actually, you know, the announcer said, oh, very even match. The, the goal kind of distracted from the fact that we were actually not looking as good as they were in the first half. So what comes along? Well, oh, we put Tyler Allen in, one of the guys that we've really wanted, right? We shift from 4-4-2 four, four, two, two, three, five, two. We get three in the center of the midfield, one of whom is Justin Succo. And one of the things, and that also allows... Malloy to drop into his natural position, which is to find space behind the defense. And one of the things that has shifted in modern soccer is generally the, the spot for a playmaker is now in that deep lying role. That's where the space opens up in, in the soccer field. Um, now more and more, there's even less space, but it used to be like you could have a number 10, right? Operating behind the strikers who could kind of stroll around and, and find the ball and pick out passes well, now you have to move that deeper. And um, that's where Aaron Malloy is most comfortable. So you have two guys in front of him that also do what I think Suko does very well, which is when Malloy moves forward, Suko thinks as a third man and positions himself relative to Malloy so that if, if Malloy moves up, he's dropping deep. And you don't see that with either Enriquez or Perez as well in the midfield. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons why we had that more, you know, progressive look in the second half is we had guys who understood how to move in the midfield uh, 
and allowed Malloy more freedom to create. And then we had Gebhardt and Allen, who at the very beginning of the year were aggressive, taking guys on, pushing things. And we saw what happened with Gebhardt. You know, he pushed it and it it went in the goal. You know, it was an ugly goal, but it went in and, and Megalis uh, had what we'll call a mayor of a match. And we can talk that talk about that, uh, you know, uh, Trimmingham goal and point two goals, goals, goals. So after what seemed like a lifetime uh, was not a lifetime, but was instead about uh, 340 minutes, I think. Um, I'm, I'm doing the math here. Too many, too many. Uh, <laughs> yep. It was uh, 347 minutes, I believe, by the time Trimmingham scored in 347, yeah, when Trimmingham scored in the eighth minute. Um, and then we got a Gebhardt goal. We got two goals. And we had some chances as well in the second half, you'll notice. Not so much in the first half. What do you want to say about the, the Trimmingham goal? Honestly, like, it's funny that we were complaining about goals. And one of the things we were saying about the offense is they just don't seem to be going direct. They don't seem to be taking people on. And then you have Trimmingham to get the ball, turn, run, shoot. Didn't have to make any extra passes. Didn't have to overthink it. He just took it and said, all right, I'm going on an adventure. I'm just going to shoot this shit. And it, and it went in. Like, it was a well-placed near post FIFA-esque goal. But it's just funny that that is the goal that finally snaps it. It was a very simple get the ball, turn, run at the defense, and do it. It was simple. And that's what Gebhardt did, right? Yeah. Same thing. Just took on a guy and blasted it in, and it went off and went in. Now, um, I was thinking about, and we're going to talk about the meaning of the universe. I am one of those uh, skeptics mentioned in other places about the Josiah Trimmingham forward experiment. I don't think I've hidden that at all. Um, and I continue to be skeptical because my God was that play slow. And, you know, what was amazing to me is how unseriously they took the threat of Josiah Trimmingham to their, to their detriment. But Megalis got turned very easily. He made no effort to bring him down at any point. It was just like, I think they just kind of assumed, I mean, Fitzgerald didn't even really try to save that shot. He, he thought, I, I mean, think that was, was a rocket. Even if he had tried, he was not stopping it or at the least it was going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, but like, you know, he, he wasn't well positioned on the near post. Like, I mean, it was almost like they just didn't expect Trimmingham to do anything. You know, they were sort of like, okay, you know, We'll let him do this, and he's going to put it into the 15th row. So credit to him for scoring. But I do think that suggests maybe the the you know thing with the larger Trimmingham experiment is defenses are not taking him terribly seriously. You know, you didn't see – he's one-on-one. -on -one, you didn't see anybody racing over to cover for Megalis. You know, you didn't see anybody trying to provide him with support. support. They were like, all right, he's one-on-one, -on -one and – you know, and, and the way Fitzgerald reacted is he reacted like he thought he had just blasted it into the side netting. And so, look, if defenses are not going to take Josiah Trimmingham seriously, he's going to get a goal every once in a while. Fantastic. But if you want to build your offense around Josiah Trimmingham, I'm still not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not. 
And, you know, he's just, you know, he doesn't have it at, at this level to be a striker. I mean, so feel free to disagree with me here, but like, great that he got that goal. You can't, you know, you're, you're not, it's yeah. No, I mean, I, I I'm looking at it as, yeah, this is probably not a sustainable thing. This is probably not something that you should bank on happening every week, but Again, it's just the sim- the simplicity of how it happened. It's like, that's what they were lacking. That is what they needed. It, is it unorthodox? Sure. In the future, maybe that says more about the other options. I don't know. Like, does it say anything about the other options? Does it say anything about the decision making? I Like, of who you're putting up there. Potentially. But in my opinion, at this point, Nothing was working beforehand, so fuck it. Why not try something else? And again, I'm not the let's do this every week brigade, but I'm also in the, well, what you were trying to do before wasn't really working. So like sometimes you just got to try shit. And I don't know. Like I think this speaks more volumes of how the season has gone than in terms of the individuals themselves. I, I think it's just a ex, like, this is just a showing of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, uh, like, I would not do that. I would not continue this plan. If I was trying to get results, I would not continue this plan, but when your back's against the wall and the other stuff hasn't worked and maybe just again, throw it out there, hope for the best. It doesn't work yet. Do something else. Like just doing something else is, I guess the theme I'm going with, but again, the goal is very fucking simple. And it just makes me wonder why have they just not tried doing that more often? Uh, a distinct, you know, a distinct question you could raise. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still frustrated because Keegan has six goals, four assists. Like we're chasing a goal in the 90th minute, we bring on Carlos Gomez instead. Like in the 85th, yeah, yeah. Well, at that point, it was still two-two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you you could say, well, you know, Gomez is coming in for a tired Gebhardt, I guess. But Gebhardt again, our most dangerous player. Like also that, like, like I just that. and again, Cyrus Rad on the left side of our defense. Look, and, and like what's most frustrating for me. I think is, and I think back to uh, the golf writer, Dan Jenkins, who I think we probably canceled long ago because he was a 108 year old man who grew up in Texas in the 1920s. So I'm sure he's said some really dumb stuff in his time, but they, they used to ask him like what he was rooting for in a particular tournament. And he'd say, I always root for the good story. And part of my, you know, thing here for forward Madison is like, I want a team that I can have something to say about. Like we, we, we talked about podcasting last week and it's like, we just run out of things to say because everything's staying the same, you know, and we're seeing the same problems. And again, we see an 88th minute concession. So like we sound hopelessly negative on this podcast. We don't want to be, I mean, I'm a cynical bastard, but like, I want to explain like how a good goal worked rather than like why we broke down again. Like why on the third goal for reasons I cannot explain that a guy who played three matches at North Carolina state university, 
three total in his entire career is on the far post marking the golden boot winner for USL League One. Like, please explain that to me. And then watches as the ball rolls by him to said golden boot winner for USL League One. I just don't understand how no one got that ball again. It rolls past one defender. Brino just doesn't collect it or doesn't, I don't know if it doesn't collect it or doesn't try to collect it. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you lose the freaking leading goal scorer of all time. I don't know how that happened. And again, this same shit happened last week. Like this was not like uh, this, this happened last week. Carbon copy, same goal, same goal. I honestly, and like, yeah, I'm not trying to be overly negative, but it's like, come on, like, come on. Yeah. It's just more like what was Brino thinking? Cause he, he wasn't even trying to get it with his legs. He wasn't even trying to grab it with his hands. He tried blocking with his leg. I don't know. Like, I'm also trying not to be negative, but at the same time, it's like there's shit that doesn't add up and it just pisses you off. Like, I'm not over here saying, oh, this person's not good enough or, oh, this is an absolute good. Like, I'm not going Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> like, I'm not going to that length. I'm simply looking at it. And again, based on the expectations that we have for this team, you expect more. And this isn't the first mistake that Rad has made. The yeah. goal against the goal Greenville scored. Another example. Like, it's just more. And I'm sure they would even admit, like, yeah, we should have done better with that. Well, at least I would hope they would admit it. Like, it's not us being negative or overly negative. It's being realistic and looking at the situation and be like, they should know they they probably know they need to do better. We know they need to do better. And that's that. Well, and, and at some point you, you gotta be like, well, what's going to change? Like what's, you know, and, and the notion that like, you know, Oh, you have to, you know, the, the players need to need to play harder or whatever. Like part of it though, is if you're not, and, and this is like one of those long standing things where you get, um, uh, uh, you know, Graham Sunis on, on match of the day, you know, talking about, yo, you got to get stuck in all the, all Spurs need to do is get stuck in. Well, the, the thing is, it's a lot easier to get stuck in and play with that effort and look like you're playing with effort. If you've got the right guys in the right places, you know, and, and we're, we're, we're seeing right. Or we see what happens when they get the right guys in the, the first half against new England, we look like a completely different team, but we spent a month not looking like that team. Um, you know, second half in this Richmond match. Yeah. We ended up, you know, conceding the late goal again, which, you know, will but like, we looked Ugh. like a more dangerous team. We created some chances. We got unlucky. We, you know, uh, had a, a dangerous free kick palmed off the bar, you know, Josiah Trimingham kicked one for a throw in, um, you know, we created some chances, right. And we looked like a better team in that second half. We did not look like a good team in the first half when we were playing with, you know, guys that I just don't, you know, I don't see as being the guys we want. So uh, look, I mean, I guess we could just be all 
sunshine and, and roses all the time, but like you know, like bored. if this was the beginning of the season, again, if this was the beginning of the season against the Tormenta, maybe I would be a little bit more sunshine and roses and be like, all right, shit happens. But we're in October. They have not won in over a month. And we're, we're not going to the playoffs, folks. No. The amount of shit it would take to make the playoffs. It would require not. First of all, you got to go. You have to win three matches in a row. Um, so you go to Omaha, so, which we haven't done uh, all year. We have one win back in May. So you need to do that. You need refs two to lose away to North Texas and Toronto too, possible. But then you would also need North Texas to somehow lose to Omaha and refs too. Like that would be like, you can't even make it because at this stretch you need refs two to lose and North Texas to lose. And they play each other. There's like, no, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah. And scenario, you win these last three matches and you finish a respectable 38 points, which might get you seventh, eighth. Yeah. Like that is your best case scenario. Your worst case scenario is you're finishing 11th. Finishing 11th. They can't finish last. They cannot finish last. So there's thank you. North Carolina (laughs) FC for saving us from last, I suppose. Uh, just by way of comparison last year, we played 16 matches, uh, wrapped up the year with 21 points right now, where we are in the current standings, uh, you know, we are on, uh, we are through 25 matches, uh, 26 now, 25, 25. And we have how many points, Kyle? We have a wonderful, great 29. 29. So, um, yeah. Uh, draw your own conclusion, sir. We finished seventh last year. We are currently 10th. We're a team heading in the right direction. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. <laughs> With that, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards. Not forwards and always twirling, twirling, twirling to freedom. (laughs) 